So we're in week 12 of our study through the book of Proverbs, and uh, I hope that you have found this to be uh, educational, enlightening, and informative, that uh, uh, it's just amazing to me um, the amount of truth and wisdom that we glean here in the book of Proverbs. Uh, so much of Proverbs is Solomon writing to his sons and, and warning them of the dangers that he sees of people to avoid, of, of traps to stay clear of. The book of Proverbs was written 2,700 years ago. Uh, so it's amazing to me that the truths that were written 27 centuries ago are still so incredibly valid today. It tells me that people really haven't changed that much over the centuries and over the years. We face the same problems. We have the same issues. We struggle with the same temptations that they did way, way, way back in history. If you think just of some of the things that we've studied here uh, in our time together this summer, uh, Solomon said, don't hang around with the wrong crowd. They'll get you into trouble. Well, is that still true? <laughs> it sure is. He said, be careful of debt. You'll end up being a slave to the lender. Well, is that true? Yeah. Vent your anger appropriately or you'll make a fool of yourself. That's true. Prepare for the future or you'll be in trouble in the days of calamity. Well, that's clearly true. Build strong friendships because we all need the help of others at some point in life. These are just a handful of the things that we've talked about in this book that are still so very true today. I literally could go through hundreds of these kind of truths that have been proven over and over and over again to be filled with wisdoms. And that's exactly what Proverbs is. It's a book of wisdom. It's, it's a book about real life. And I think that's one of the reasons I like it, because I, I like things that are applicable. I like things that are relevant, things that are uh, easy to understand. The book of Proverbs gives us practical lessons on how to live a life that pleases God and then keeps us from doing the big blunders that hurt us in the end. Throughout this great book, we've tried to apply ancient wisdom to modern times, and it really is incredible uh, when we read what was going on 2,700 years ago and we look at what's happening in our world today, just how relevant it is. It, it, it seems as if the book of Proverbs was written last Tuesday. You know, that's how relevant it really is. In our text today, Solomon warns his sons about a dangerous trap. In fact, this trap is so dangerous that if you get caught in it, it will destroy your life. This trap is so deadly that you can literally see people who get near to it get pulled in and destroyed before they even know what hit them. Solomon in our text today gives his sons a bold warning. He throws out the caution flags. He tries to say, listen, be careful, pay attention, watch out. He couldn't have been more clear. And yet, it's as if we just can't seem to get it. We ignore the warnings over and over again and ultimately end up paying the price. And the reality is, is that as a people, we're not very good at following warnings, are we? Uh, it's amazing how much people are willing to gamble with their lives. A, a simple point of example is that the Surgeon General has required that to be written on packs of cigarettes uh, warnings 
starting in 1966 with this caution. Caution, cigarette smoking may be hazardous to your health. 1966. Then it, it, it changed to warning. Cigarette smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. Then it was changed to smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, and may complicate pregnancy. Then it moved to cigarette smoking contains carbon monoxide. And then quitting smoking now greatly reduces serious risks to your health. Those are some pretty straightforward warnings, aren't they? And yet 31 million people over the age of 18 regularly smoke cigarettes in the United States. 80 to 90% of all lung cancer is attributed to smoking. And yet, so many don't heed the warnings. But as bad as smoking may be, that's not the trap we're here to talk about today. Solomon warned his son of a trap that's filled with peril and heartbreak. In fact, he said people caught in this trap are like cattle being led to a slaughterhouse. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter number 5. We'll begin reading in verse number 1 if you've got your notes uh, or your Bible with you today. Solomon writes, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've heard. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is a bitter poison as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. For she cares nothing about the path of life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you'll lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin and now I must face public disgrace. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch him and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we read your word this morning, filled with wisdom and truth. And God, we need, we need this truth in this generation. We need this truth in our own lives. Father, so that we don't make the mistakes that Solomon speaks of in this passage, so that we don't end up with lives that are destroyed because of poor choices. So Father, as we study your word this morning, I pray that you would, you would speak to our hearts, that you give clarity to your word. 
Lord, that maybe your Holy Spirit would just tap us on the shoulder if there's an area of our lives where we need to be more disciplined, exercise more care or caution. Father, we just pray that as we study your word today, that your Holy Spirit would just, God, speak to us in a powerful way. We just dedicate these next few moments unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Solomon didn't mince any words in his warning here, did he? And this is about as clear of a statement as you're going to get anywhere in Scripture. Avoid sex outside the confines of marriage. Stay away from promiscuous people. Don't get lured into sexual relationships by smooth talkers who make you feel like you're something special. This passage was written by Solomon to his sons, but the reverse is also true. Uh, It could have been to his daughters. The lure of an immoral person is the same regardless of the gender. Ladies need to be just as cautious of smooth-talking men who promise the moon but end up breaking the heart. The lust trap has been catching unsuspecting victims for centuries. But everyone thinks their story will be different. That they'll be the exception to the rule. That they can play with fire without getting burned. The danger of the sexual immorality trap is that everybody who falls into it thinks they're going to get away with it. Sexual Immorality starts with the lure of sweet love and pleasure, but it ends with bitter poison that rots the soul. Verses three and four says, For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is a bitter poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. The lure of sexual immorality plays to one of the strongest drives in the human body. God designed our bodies with an innate desire to be fruitful and to multiply. He created us with the capacity to not only procreate, but to enjoy the process as well. But as so often the case, what God intended for good, man has turned into something evil. The pleasures that were clearly to be enjoyed within the confines of marriage have been cheapened by not honoring the sacredness of the covenant. The marriage covenant is a marriage between one man and one woman for one lifetime. Jesus made this abundantly clear in his teachings. He said in Mark chapter 10, verse 6, But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, so that they are no longer two, but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. From the very time of creation, God made the parameters of marriage crystal clear. A man and a woman covenant together to be husband and wife for an entire life. Within the boundaries of that union, they are to fully enjoy each other as unique creations of God. When the boundaries of that covenant are honored, the marriage grows stronger over time and the bonds of love grow deeper and deeper. But when one or both of the partners gets lured into the trap Solomon warned against, the foundations of the marriage are attacked and it begins its destructive work. Marriage vows are broken, love begins to wane, trust is shattered, hearts are broken. But this doesn't have to happen. Marriage is a beautiful thing and it's absolutely possible to keep your marriage strong and healthy. 
Forgiveness will be needed from time to time as sinners do what sinners do. We hurt one another. But I'm here to tell you that your marriage is worth fighting for. Amen? Amen. In the first nine chapters of Proverbs, Solomon committed three chapters to warning his sons about the dangers of not honoring the marriage covenant. Even if one is not yet married, enjoying, enjoining yourself with another before marriage is sin. God created sex to be enjoyed within the covenant of marriage. In Proverbs chapter 7, Solomon paints a picture we've seen all too many times. It's the script for many Hollywood movies. Romance novels are built upon this stuff. And I can tell you the storyline in eight words. The bait, the prey, the sage, the trap. The bait, the prey, the sage, the trap. Those eight words, it's the storyline. The bait is the seductive character who catches the naive one's attention. Usually it's the pretty one in the show. And then the prey, well, that's the naive character who can't believe how lucky he or she is to be with this gorgeous bait. Now the sage, this is the wise character who gives warning to the naive one. And then there's the trap, the web that ensnares the naive and destroys their life. So we're going to read this this story from Proverbs chapter 7, and you just see if you can identify these four characters in the text. We're in Proverbs chapter 7 now, beginning in verse 6. While I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. Let me pause here because two of the characters have already been seen. We see here the sage in the window that's looking down, and he sees the prey, thy naive young man. So we see here uh, already uh, the, the sage, and we see the prey. Verse 8, he was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight, in the evening, as deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed in sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She is often in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner. Now, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to know who we're talking about here, right? I mean, she's the bait. The immoral woman here is the bait that draws the prey, the naive young man, closer. You can almost see this playing out in your mind's eyes if you're the sage looking out the window yourself. You'd love to shout out to this naive young man, don't, don't, don't go down that road. Go down another road. Get out of there. Danger, Will Robinson. I mean, this is not good. But sadly, you have to watch the tragedy play out before you. Proverbs 7, 13. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. You're the one I was looking for. For I came out to find you, and here you are. She wasn't looking for him. She was looking for any naive young man that she could lure into her trap. Story goes on, verse 16. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses, for my husband is not home. He is away on a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him and won't return until later 
this month. What's she saying? Ah, nobody's ever going to know. I mean, my husband's gone for several weeks. I mean, <laughs> you know, we can do anything we want. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy one another. I've even put clean sheets on the bed. And that, I, I thought that was kind of a weird thing to put in there. I put clean sheets in the bed, <laughs> whatever. Um, and she put essential oils on it to make it smell better. So she's just trying to make this whole situation seem better and better and better. Now, the young man at this point is in a very dangerous place very dangerous place. Instead of running away immediately, he lingered around to hear her out, right? I mean, he's probably processing all of this information. Now, he should have followed the example of Joseph in the Old Testament, and as soon as she started saying what she said, he should have turned and run away. But sadly, he didn't. Verse 21, let's pick it up. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once, like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Now, to say that Solomon doesn't paint the picture clearly here, for those who need word pictures, he said, like an ox going to slaughter, like a stag or deer caught in a trap, like a bird caught in a snare. Maybe if we need to contextualize it, we can take it to the 1960s. Elvis Presley sang a song about it, right? I'm caught in a trap, and I can't walk out. Now you do the ooze. Ooh. <laughs> because I love you too much, baby, right? Suspicious minds. You know, it's the same story played out over and over again. Well, the temptation was too much for him to risk. He followed her. And that is why, my friends, you must flee at the first sign of a compromising situation. Paul wrote this to his young protege Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22. He says, run from anything that stimulates your youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Why? Because our flesh is weak. It's hard to resist temptation, right? That's why your best option when confronted with a situation like this is just to get the heck out of there. Don't go past go. Don't collect $200. Just get out of that situation. Run like your life depends upon it. Because, my friends, it does. Continuing in verse 24. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path. For she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. Well, now, she made it sound a whole lot better than that, right? You know, nice sheets and smells good and all kinds of flowers on it. And he's like, no, her bed's the bed of death. Her house is the road to the grave. She's been the ruin of many men. Well, here we are, ancient wisdom for modern times, right? Has the story changed? Has it gotten any better in 2,700 years? Nope. We fall into the same trap. I've seen it, you've seen it. We've seen it played out in Hollywood, in politics, in the office, in schools, in the church, really any place that humans hang out. Why? 
because temptation is real and nobody is above temptation. In the context of this passage, the warning is to Solomon's sons, but the reverse again is also true. Many daughters have fallen for smooth-talking men who seduce with their good looks, their charming behaviors, their affirming words. And I can say it's, it's every bit as dangerous of a trap as the one that we just read about. To complicate things even more, through advancements in the last number of years, the traps have become even more difficult to avoid. Most people carry a portable trap in their back pocket or purse. And now an affair is only a few clicks away. In fact, we even have called, we have a name for it now. It's called clickbait, right? Something comes up, oh, that's interesting. Well, I wonder what that is. Click. You're just getting reeled in. You're going down that same street. We try to rationalize it, but it is what it is. So as we bring this story to our modern context, the seductive character in our story, the bait can be found in many different variations today. The flirtatious married person who doesn't honor and respect boundaries. The porn actor or actress who plays to the crowd to make a living. The, the boyfriend that pressures his girlfriend for a little more. The girl who teases with provocative dress. The advertiser who brags sex sells. I mean, I could go on and on with illustration after illustration, but we realize that we live in a virtual minefield of traps just waiting to catch us off guard. Probably the biggest trap today is the prevalence of pornography and its lure to both men and women. It's a trap. It's a dangerous trap. It's addictive. It's destructive. And sadly, it's being dispersed to our kids at a very young age. According to recent studies, the average age for first exposure to pornography for girls is 9.6 years of age, for boys 9.9 years of age. Most kids have seen pornography before they are 10 years of age. 40% of the time they're shown it by a friend, 50% they stumble onto it by themselves. So is it any wonder that our kids are confused? Their minds are not developed to the point where they can fully understand what they're seeing. Tragically, innocence is lost at an early age. And kids face mounting pressure to try to recreate what they see online, not realizing the damage that they're doing to themselves mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And like the sage in the window, we look at the world around us and we realize this is not going to end well. At some point, Depravity will kick in and God will turn us over to our own devices. The warning has been clearly articulated throughout Scripture. In the New Testament, Paul wrote clearly about it in Romans chapter 1. Verse 18, he said this, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his external power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they didn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. 
Instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worship idols made to look more like people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural ways to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice require that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. It feels as if we're living in the days of Romans 1. <clears throat> Our entire society is caught in a trap. It's a trap that Solomon warned against. Without revival and repentance, I'm very fearful for our country. I'm grieved for our children. I'm concerned about our families. And my advice to us today is to recognize the gravity of the situation. In the story we read, be the sage. Be the wise person who recognizes what's going on. Recognize a trap. Have your eyes open. Pay attention to what's going on. Listen to what the Word of God says. Read your Bible. Spend time in prayer. Ask God to protect you, to protect your family, your kids, your grandkids. Warn those you were able to warn. Build safeguards into your own life so that you don't become an unsuspecting victim. Commit to pray for marriages, for families, and for kids today. Our topic today will affect every person in this room in one way or another at some point. The question is not, what will I do if this happens to me? It's what will I do when this happens to me? We will all face the situation. If you're here today and this morning, you say, you know, I'm already caught in this trap. I'm already caught in the trap. Now what do I do? Well, I think it starts... By telling yourself the truth. Just tell yourself the truth. Admit it. You're caught in a trap and you need help. Admit it. If your marriage is suffering from the effects of this temptation, you need help. You need counsel. You need coaching. It's worth it. Go get the counseling. Go get the help. We couldn't possibly make it any easier at Venture. We've provided counseling through Southwest Florida Christian Counseling and we pay for the first Six sessions for free. Doesn't cost you anything. All you got to do is send an email to timadventurenaples.com or sammyadventurenaples.com and say, I, I think I need the counseling. We'll send you 
an email with a phone number of who to call, and we'll send an email to them saying, be on the lookout for so-and-so, we'll cover the first six sessions. So to say, I don't know where to go, or I can't afford it, those two excuses are off the table. You know where to go, and we've made it easy. But actually, now you need to do the hard part, which is admitting the fact that you need help and going to get that help. Here's what we need to know. For 2,700 years at least, people have been falling for these traps over and over and over again. And if you've fallen into the trap, well, it happens. You need God's forgiveness. But know this, God is a forgiving God. He's a God of grace and a God of mercy, and he will forgive you. If you're caught in some kind of sexual sin today, ask for God's forgiveness. Stop your wrong behaviors. Flee temptation. Be honest and get help. Be willing to get the help you need. Your marriage is worth it. Your family is worth it. These kids need godly examples of people who do what's right. We need to take a stand against what's happening in our society or we're going to stand one day wagging our heads, shocked when God abandons the United States of America and we collapse internally from our sinful behaviors. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, not easy words to read today, but God, I appreciate the fact that you shoot straight with us. You tell us right and wrong, black and white. You tell us what to do, what not to do. You tell us what to do when this temptation arises. Lord, even in sensitive issues, your word is crystal clear. You show us what we should do. Now, God, I pray that you'd help us to do it. Help us to be men and women who stand for the truth, who do what's right, who honor our marriage covenants, who stand against sin, who do our best to live holy and right. God, I pray for those this morning that are struggling, that just just the mere message that was delivered today strikes fear in their heart. They don't know what to do. God, I pray that you give them the courage to just admit the fact they need help and then get it. Father, we lean into you at this time. We need your help, your strength, your protection, your provision. Because God, at the end of the day, we want to live lives that please you. We want to be holy. We want to fulfill the purpose for which you created us. God, I I am so tired of seeing marriages broken, families destroyed by so much of the sexual sin that we see in our society. God, help us to be different. Put a hedge of protection around each person in this room and each person watching online. God, help us to do that which is right. Help us to heed the warning that Solomon gave, that Paul gave, that Jesus gave. Help us to be men and women of integrity. So, Father, we need your help. We lean into you. We thank you, God, that you're there for us no matter what we need. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.